Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that the, all the law that which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you vittles, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And unto the Reubenites, and to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which the Lord, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord... God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives and your little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But you shall pass before your brethren, armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them unto the Lord, until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you. And they shall also possess the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then shall ye return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Let's pray. Fathers, we look at this portion of scripture. We ask that you'd guide us, teach us those things that you'd have us to know. We ask that you would bless your word us this morning in jesus name we pray amen and going back to verse one it says now after the death of moses the servant of the lord it came to pass now moses was the leader of the people from the time well from before they left the land of egypt until they came to the border of the land of canaan 
And you would think it'd be natural for the, him to continue to lead the people into the land. But it says after the death of Moses. So Moses died. Why did he die? Was Well, he was 120 years old. That's pretty old. <laughs> but that really wasn't the reason he died. It's said of Moses that when he came to the end, it says he, he was still strong. He was still healthy. And he, his natural force was not abated. He was still a vigorous man, even though he was so old. So why did he not take the children of Israel into the land of Canaan? Well, we have to look back into the book of Exodus for that. I'm not going to turn to the passage, but I'll relate what had happened. After the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came into the wilderness and there was no water. And so the people started grumbling. We are thirsty. Why did you bring us out of Egypt? We're going to die of thirst. Why did you do this to us? Of course, they were, they were in the habit of grumbling all the time, no matter what. They grumbled when they were in Egypt. Now they're out of Egypt. They're grumbling again. So Moses says, God spake unto Moses, and he said, there was a rock. And, the, and God said to Moses, smite the rock. And so Moses smote the rock with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and everybody drank, and everybody was satisfied. There was plenty of water. Well, that was got fine for a while. Then it came to a time again when there was no water. And this time, God didn't say to Moses, smite the rock. He said to Moses, speak to the rock. And Moses came up before the people and he said, must we prepare you water out of this rock? And he took his rod and he smote the rock. That wasn't what God told him to do. God said, speak to the rock. Also, there was not only that dis disobedience, but also he said, must we provide you water out of this rock? He didn't say God. He said we. Mm -hmm. He didn't glorify God in this. And this was the bigger sin. Amen. And so God said to Moses, because you have done this, you will not be able to enter into the land of Canaan. You will come up to the border of it. You will see it that you will not step a foot on, onto that land. And so because of this, God Moses led Moses right at the end. God led Moses up into the world, into a mountain. And he looked and he saw the land of Canaan, the land that had been where God had led Abraham. And he was able to see it. But then he died in the mountain and God buried him there. And so now they need a new leader. And it says, and after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Okay, Joshua is the chosen, the one chosen to be the leader after the death of Moses. And why Joshua? I, I remember seeing a picture. It showed Joshua... And the elders of Israel standing around, and the picture depicted Joshua as a young man. And it showed the other people, the, these elders, as old men. And that's not a very accurate picture. Um, we'll come to that in a little bit, but 
Let's look at some of the qualifications of Joshua. Let's go to Exodus chapter 17. Okay, first of all, it says Joshua was the minister of Moses. That's almost like saying he was his servant. So let's see what, what Moses did as his servant. Uh, beginning with verse 8. And then came Amalek and fought Israel in Redim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose you out men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as, a, as Moses said unto him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and he took a stone and set it under him, and he sat thereon, and, Moses, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Okay, here's, here's one of Joshua's qualifications. As the leader of Israel, he was going to be responsible as they went into the land of Canaan to lead a military expedition. They were to go in and defeat the people in the land of Israel. And here we see Joshua basically was the general in this battle. He chose out the people and he ordered the battle. And if we look at, look at our own country, at the presidents that we have, the president is considered to be the commander in chief of the armed forces. And if we look at many of our past presidents, many of them were generals in the army and leaders before they, they became president. Eisenhower, for instance, was a general during World War II. Um, Kennedy was also in, in the military. I'm not sure exactly what his position was. And up until more recently, many of the people that became president were first military leaders. And so they, they qualified as a commander in chief. Recently, the presidents have not been military leaders and I think that is somewhat to our detriment. But that is one, one instance or one qualification that Joshua had. He was a military leader, and this is what was required as they went into the land of Canaan as the military leader. Then there's another, another qualification we find in, in Numbers chapter 13. Starting with the beginning of the chapter, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, every tribe of their father. will send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran unto, and all these men were the heads of the children of Israel. And then, of course, it gives a list of the names. Now, 
if I, as I stand up here, I can only think of the names of two of them. One was Joshua, the son of Nun, and the other one was Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And why is it that we can only recall these two? I'm sure I'm not the only one that can only recall these two. If you listed their names, I'd go, okay, fine. But even though I've read them, I can't, I can't recite any of them. Right. Why do we remember these two? Because when they went into the land of Canaan, these 12 men went in, one from each tribe. And they looked at the land, and it was a beautiful land. It was a prosperous land. It was fertile. Was great. They came back bearing a a bunch of grapes, and it took two men with a rod between them to carry this this bunch of grapes. It was an absolutely exactly what God had promised them. And then they came to Moses, or they came to Moses and said, "It's a beautiful land. It's everything that was promised, but." The people, of the, the sons of the giants are there, and, and we were as grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can do this. Right. We can't fight against these people. They're too mighty for us. But there were two people that said, no, 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 no. We can do this because God is with us. We can do this. God will give us the victory. And those two men were Joshua and Caleb. And they said, we can do this. But the people listened to the 10 and said, no, no, we're not going to go. We're not going to go. It's just, just too much for us. We can't do this. So here's Joshua's second, second qualification. He was willing to trust in God, be able to do what God said that they could do. God had promised them this land. And he said, we can do it with God's help. He wasn't standing up and saying, we, we're mighty people. We can do it. But he said, God has given us this land. We can do it. Yeah. But the people listened to the 10 and refused to go in. And go, so God punished them. And we'll come to that in a little bit. So this is Joshua's second qualification. Now, we're talking about Joshua's age. As a punishment for refusing to obey God, God said everybody, now there was a census taken as they came out of, or a numbering as they came out of Egypt. They numbered all people from 20 years old and upward. Everybody that was qualified to fight. And so God said to these people, he says, you have, you have accused me of bringing you out into the wilderness to die. Well, you're, and, and then your children to die, but your children are going to live. But everyone that was 20 years of age and older died in the next 40 years. So as we come to this place in Joshua, as we look at the people, if we think of it, they were, the oldest was 20 years old when they came out of Egypt. So, now as they're ready to go into the land of Canaan, 40 years later, the oldest people alive were a mere 60 years old. And what about Joshua and Caleb? 
Well, we know Caleb later says that he was 85 years old after they, they were into the land of Canaan. He says, I want this land. I want this property that was promised to me. And he says, I am this day five, 85 years old, or he says four, four, and five, but it's 85 years old. And he says, I am as strong this day as the day that we went into the land of Canaan to look at it, to, to, to look at it. He said, I'm as strong today. 40 years later, he's as strong. So Caleb at this point was 85 years old. And we can pretty much assume that Joshua was pretty much the same age. So we're assuming that both of them were probably in their 80s, which we think of as an old person. I remember when, when I was a kid, my parents turned 40, and everybody thought, well, 40, that's over the hill. <laughs> but I look at 40 today, and it seems like just children. Uh, I don't think of 40 as over the hill, and most people don't anymore. But that was, that was considered to be that at the time. Um, but as they were preparing to go into the land of Canaan, there were only two people over the age of 60, and those were Joshua and Caleb. So we have Joshua is not a young young guy, but he's he's older. He's got experience. He knows he's been around. And people can't look at him and say, well, you're just a young kid. And as we look at the presidents of the United States, most of them have been older men. Um, I can think of two who are not that old. One is John Kennedy, and the other one was Barack Obama. I'm not sure what their ages were. But most of them have been older men in their probably 60s or older. And people that had experience. And so as we look at, at Joshua, as he began to go into the, they began to go into the land of Canaan, he was a man with experience. He was a man that had some age on him. He was a man that was faithful and, and willing to follow God. And Moses had chosen him, and now God has chosen him. And ultimately, I believe it was God that chose him and set him before Moses to say, this is the one that is he's going to be because of his faithfulness and his trust. Right. Let's go back to the book of John. He says, Moses, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, rise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Now, if we look back in history, back to the time of Abraham, God took Abraham from the place of his nativity, and he says, now I want you to go, go where I tell you to go, into the land of Canaan. And he, he promised Abraham this land. Abraham himself was a stranger in the land, and he wandered around from place to place in the land. And he, there were several times through history that the Israelites or the children of Abraham were in and out of the land. Abraham was there, and Isaac. And then we come to Jacob, and Jacob was out of the land for a period of time, and then he came back. Now, Jacob, of course, is the father of the children of 
the, the nation of Israel. In fact, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And that's why the children of Israel are called the Israelites today is because of this. So here we have Joseph, or no, Jacob rather, went in, went, left the land because he was afraid of his, his brother and his parents sent him away to get a wife that was not of the children of Canaan. So he was gone for a period of time and then came back. And then they stayed there until Joshua, until Jacob was an older man. And there was a famine. And then they left and went into Egypt. And this, of course, is what led up to, to the children of Israel going back into the land of Canaan. But God had promised Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob they would have this land but it was not fulfilled in their lifetime and so now they're ready to go back to and God is ready to fulfill at least in part his promise to give them this land um, we look at the follow, what follows um, there were times when they were in power and there were Times when there were people that were over them and and persecuted them and and I don't know what exactly the word is, but they there were people that came in and, and they stole their crops and they put them in subjection and much of this was based upon the way that the children of Israel responded to God's commandments. Right. When they obeyed God, God gave them victory. When they turned their Acts on God, God brought people against them to defeat them. It was a way of chastening them. So now they're ready to go back into the land, and Joshua is to be their leader. And he gives them a promise. He said, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest serve to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Now here's an important thing. He says, only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee up to the time of Moses there was no written word and now Moses writes the first five books of the Bible and in it you know we think of the law and we think of the Ten Commandments which are very important that was only a small portion of the law that God gave to the children of Israel and most of it is based upon the Ten Commandments but there were laws after laws after laws this is what you should do is what you shouldn't do and this is a punishment if you don't do what I tell you to do and it kind of went one way and then the other sometimes they listened and sometimes they didn't It says, turn not from it for to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then there comes a verse 
that many have memorized, and I've memorized this a long time ago. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe according to all that is written. Then thou shalt make thy words, and then thou shalt have good success. First of all, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. The commandment is to speak it. It shall not depart out of thy mouth. You should rehearse it before the people. You don't don't put it aside and 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 let it sit. Um, it was supposed to be in front of them constantly. Um, there were a lot of things that were set up as memory things to remember what God had done for the people as as things went on but the commandment was to speak it constantly but then what comes after that is is vitally important he says but thou shalt meditate therein day and night now a lot of people talk meditation today <laughs> and I've heard that well you, you, when you get ready to meditate, uh, meditate you empty your mind and you know the problem with that what happens when you empty your mind Some, something's going to fill it because right. it's impossible for, for to not think of something right so what's going to happen when we empty our mind more than likely Satan's going to fill it so the word meditate is very closely associated with the word ruminate. Now there are a group of animals called ruminants. Uh, probably the, the best known among these are the cattle or cows. Um, you see a, a cow sitting in the middle of a field and or she rather. Is this cow doing? Well, a cow, I, I heard at one point cows have sevens or whatever, some stomachs, but then somebody else said, no, they have one stomach, but it has, I think, the number of seven compartments to it. And so they, they chew, they, they eat the grass and they chew it and they swallow it down into one, one compartment of the stomach. And, and then later they bring it up out of that stomach and chew it some more and, and swallow it into another stomach and so on. What does this have to do with meditation? Well, what are we supposed to meditate on? We're supposed to meditate on the Word of God. This grass is kind of a representation of the Word of God. As we, we are supposed to meditate on the Word of God. So that's not all we're told to do. We're told to read it. We're told to speak it. But if we're going to meditate on it, First of all, we have to consume it, mm. even as a cow or the cattle or the sheep or whatever animal you're talking about has to pluck this grass off of the ground and start chewing it, and then it goes into the first compartment of their stomach. Well, like we as Christians need to be in God's Word. We need to consume it, whether that be reading it or memorizing it 
We should do both. All of us should have portions of God's scripture committed to memory. And then it says meditate therein day and night. Well, if we don't know it, we can't meditate on it. So we have first we have to know it. And then what does it mean to meditate on it? When we pull up this passage of scripture, we think about it and we think, well, how does this apply to me? How does this and let's let's uh Let me, let me think. Okay, let's let's look in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter twenty-eight, starting with verse ten. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. For with with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people, to whom he saith, This is the rest wherewith ye shall cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, Line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall back and be broken and snared and taken. Here God is telling us how he gives us his word. As we look at a certain topic in scripture, we don't have, well, this is where it talks about prayer. This is where it talks about giving. And this is where it talks about this. No, it says, you know, God, God introduces something. Say in the book of Genesis, he talks about the, the, um, the serpent and the, the, um, the seed of the woman. And he said, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. This is the beginning of the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And it builds as you go through scripture. Sure. And you take other and they build as you go through scripture and you can't just read one passage and say I know everything there is to know about it so what does that have to do with meditation as we study God's word we think about it sometimes we have to sit down with the Bible and go back and forth and look at it but we think of this passage of scripture well how does it relate to this passage of scripture and this passage and this passage we can't just take one pad, one one section and say, I know everything there is to know about. We have to compare scripture with scripture. Amen. And as we meditate on we'll bring these bring these different passages of scriptures to mind and say, This is how this relates to this, and this is how this relates to this. But we can't do that if we don't know the word of God. So first of all, studying and memorizing and reading and then meditating not only how this one relates to this one but how does this relate to me what does this say that I should do how is my life supposed to be changed because of what this scripture says to me 
In 2 Timothy, we read all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished to all good works. Amen. So we take scripture, it's not just this out here, and this is, you know, it's not something unrelated, but it's how I'm supposed to live, how I'm supposed to think, and how I'm supposed to relate to other people. <clears throat> it's, and then he gives a promise. He says, yeah, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. I don't just know it so I can know it. It's not just a matter of pride. So I know it so I can do it. Thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God had told... We're running low on time, but so I'm going to kind of summarize some of this. God knew that there was a time coming when the people would demand a king over them. And God says, when you decide that you want a king, first of all, he says, choose somebody from among you. Don't choose a foreigner to be your king. And then he says, when you have that king, that king, he gave a commandment. He says he is supposed to write and have a copy of this law, and he is supposed to read it. A leader, especially of the Israelites, was supposed to be a spiritual leader as far as a military, as, as well as a military leader. And what he did directed what the others, what the nation would do. And so it was their responsibility to know the word of God and to have it before them. And some of the first kings did that. We look at Saul was the first king, and he, he was kind of wishy-washy. He started out pretty good. But then he, even though he knew what God told him to do, he didn't always obey it. And so God rejected him, and he set up David to be king. Well, David did much better. We can only point to one, one place in his life that I can think of where David turned his back on God. I'm sure you're all familiar with that, that failing that it is. But David, David was a man that put his trust in God. And he said he, David is described as a man after God's own heart. Solomon. Solomon started out terrific. If you read the prayer he prayed at the dedication of the temple, it's, it's a mighty, powerful prayer. And some great truths are found in that prayer. Solomon did not stand fast. And he turned his back on God. And he, he married many, many women. And he let their these women turned his heart away from God. And Solomon's life was actually short because of his failure to continue to follow God. 
And even in America, we can look at some of our presidents that, that studied the Word of God and, and knew it, and others that did not. And in Israel, Hezekiah was considered to be, was actually a king of Judah, was considered to be one of the godly kings. And at one point he told, he ordered people to, to cleanse the temple and to prepare because it had fallen into disrepair. Unfortunately, God's word had fallen out of, it was lost. And as they cleaned out the temple, they found a, the law given by Moses. And somebody brought it to Hezekiah. This was supposed to be God's chosen people, yet they didn't know the word of God. And they brought this to the book to Hezekiah, and they read it before him, and he says, we stand under the punishment of God. God has, has, you know, the things that we have done, the way we have turned our back on God, God is going to punish us. And God came to, to, brought forth to Hezekiah saying, because you have humbled yourself before me, I will not do it in your time. But we see the steady decline of the nation of Israel and, and actually here the nation of Judah because they've divided into two nations. Because they turned their back on God, God turned their, his back on them and eventually they were taken out of the land and led into captivity in, in Babylon. So it's very important that we stay in the Word of God. Yes, sir. It's to be always before us. The children of Israel were commanded to have it as frontless before their eyes and on the, the posts of their houses. It was always supposed to be there for them to read and to remember and remember who it was that led them and supported them and, and preserved them. It's also our responsibility also. It was their responsibility to teach their children. It said of those that, that came into the land with Joshua, it says they followed the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. But the next generation turned their back on God. Why? Because they were not taught like they should have been. It is responsibility of one generation to teach the next generation right. to teach the next generation. But so often we fail in our responsibilities. But this is the challenge today. To keep God's word before you. To meditate in it. To teach it. To read it. To know it. To follow it.